Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Getting ready to represent Christ to your world today. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. It is Tuesday, the 4th of February, 2020. I'm Carmen LaBerge. Okay, so I really just want to begin this morning with a deep breath and invite you to do the same. So go ahead, take a deep breath. Because there's a breathless reporting today um, without much content in terms of the Iowa caucus, uh, in terms of the impeachment proceedings, in terms of the coronavirus, there's going to be a lot of breathless reporting today. And so I want to encourage and remind you to just go ahead and take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Um, and then I'm just going to ask my question that I ask frequently, and that is where in the word are you today? You can look around in the world and know where you are, right? Get your get your bearings in terms of your proximity to other people or places, Um where in the world are you in terms of that which taxes you and weighs upon uh, your relationships? But, but where in the word are you? I'm in Ephesians, and I am praying today that my uh, brothers and sisters in Christ would be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being. Why? so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. So this is a prayer from Ephesians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul praying it uh, on behalf of the believers of that time and place. But, you know, it, I commend it to you as a prayer that you and I can pray today for and with one another. So again, here, I'm just going to read it straight out of Ephesians beginning, uh, this is in chapter 3, beginning at verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, God may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, let me just pause there and say, that's a lot. That is a lot. Uh, In fact, um, it's immeasurably more than we could ever dare to ask or imagine, which is Paul's uh, next point. God wants to do for you today that which so far exceeds what you dare to ask or even imagine that it it would be immeasurably more than being filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, which is unimaginable, unmeasurable. I just don't even know how to describe that kind of fullness. Or So I stand in awe in front of uh, the God to whom this prayer is prayed, and I stand with the Apostle Paul in praying it for you. And I would ask that you would pray the same for me. 
So we are going to turn our attention this morning to some of those um, breathless headlines of the day. Um, But let me encourage you to be praying today for a couple of situations uh, of which I am aware. The Grote family, who lives in Seattle, Washington, um, has asked us to pray with them um, for their missing son and his girlfriend. They're young adults. They uh, went hiking on um, Sunday, and and they have not been seen since. So let us be lifting. Uh, God knows where they are. They are not unaccounted for by our Father in heaven. Um, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. It's in all of that spirit that we lift up the Grote family and their family members who are currently missing. Um, let us pray for Rush Limbaugh and others who have recently received cancer diagnoses, whose lives are now disrupted by treatment and whose mortality is now surely more closely in view. Let us be praying um, for them today. And let us continue to pray um, for the Bryant family and others who have recently lost loved ones. Let us grieve with those who grieve. All right, we're going to turn our attention now to the headlines of the day. Uh, And joining me is Nick Pitts. He's a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. He and I are going to lead off with uh, what is happening, what is still happening in the Iowa caucus. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, joining me now, Nick Pitts. You can find him on Twitter at JNickPitts. Welcome back, my friend. Hey, Carmen. So great to be with you. There's a little bit of nothing to see here this morning. Nothing to see here. <laughs> to, Keep moving. To, <laughs> to, say, to say the very least, my goodness, you can you can still feel the, the depressed uh, expectations and failed to meet realizations from last night into this morning as thousands of individuals are looking on and still wondering what happened in Iowa last night. So for those people who went to bed at a reasonable hour and just got up, what happened in Iowa last night, Nick? Yeah, so uh, so the Iowa caucuses were happening last night. What we do know for sure is uh, it appears as though very overwhelmingly President Trump uh, was uh, elected by the Republican caucus goers to represent their state uh, at the Republican National Convention. But the Democrats uh, were testing out some new technology. And so an app is at the center of much of this. And an app was to uh, be used by precinct chairs, uh, numbering upwards of 1,678 precinct chairs in the state of Iowa. They were supposed to uh, record the results to go into a central authority within Iowa and then in turn, that, that authority would then declare uh, a winner in Iowa. But what we found to be true, according to reports, is that the app, app malfunctioned, uh, according to some reports. And that caused individuals to go to the old-fashioned phone line and to be able to record the results. But uh, as I mentioned before, when 1,678 individuals are trying to get on what I imagine aren't very many phone lines, it caused some delays, to say the least, and one delay uh, to such an extent uh, an individual actually was hung up on live on CNN last night, which was very emblematic of the 2020 uh, presidential election thus far. <laughs> so I saw that clip um, this morning just in terms of, you know, kind of scrolling through the coverage of the day. Um, and so for our listeners who didn't see that, there was a precinct 
um, chairman, I guess is what they're called. And he was uh, he was on an, yeah. uh, an interview over the phone with Wolf Blitzer and and he'd been on hold for a long period of time um, with the with the DNC seeking to report out his precinct numbers. And so while he is on the CNN interview, uh, there is a live person who actually comes on the line. And as uh, this precinct chairman is is trying to conclude his CNN interview politely, the uh, the person uh, from the DNC hung up on him. And so, uh, it, yeah. And then so he had to get back at the back of the queue. I mean, right. You just got to get at the back yeah. of the line and call again. Um, and, you know, so a, yeah, go ahead. And, you know, it's just so interesting. There's really two things you can't help but take from tonight. One is you just see weird. It's just in such a fast pace cycle right now that so many candidates are hoping to be able to utilize these results for their fundraising numbers as well as to determine viability moving forward and what we found is it's all right you know what we um our connection with nick is not great so we're going to go ahead and take our break right now uh, we are going to reestablish our connection with Nick Pitts, and then we're going to continue our conversation here in just a moment on Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation now with Nick Pitts. You can find him on Twitter at J Nick Pitts. Um, Nick, let's do some final comments on uh, on the Iowa caucus, and then we've got this other conversation I'd love to move move to, which is this tipping point conversation in terms of, well, I would just say LGBTQ activism in the country. Yeah, I, I can't help but thinking uh, out of the Iowa caucuses, we might, we'll probably hear the results later today, but I think the big winner coming out of today, uh, coming out of Iowa last night, would have had to have been Michael Bloomberg, even though he wasn't really talked about. He was spending all of his time in California, and what we know to be true is that he is spending a significant uh, amount of money out of that state, and the, the poll numbers are beginning to reflect that. He's at around 14% at national polling right now, coming in third right behind Elizabeth Warren right now. And so without any candidate that gave a significant amount of resources out of Iowa, without any candidate being declared a winner last night, I think that goes moot. But then you have Michael Bloomberg, which spent all day yesterday in the delegate-rich state of California. It had to be a big win for him and his campaign. But just for your listeners, just to don't be discouraged by this. I know there was so many, uh, there's so much lack of trust and discouragement coming out of the 2016 election, whether the polling, et cetera, was happening. But I think as so many individuals within the evangelical fold can attest, one of the primary ways to love your neighbor, one of the significant ways to love your neighbor is to vote, uh, to be able to make his kingdom come and his will be done through the public policies that are advanced by particular candidates at the election ballot. And so don't go weary of doing good, still plan on getting out there and engaging in the public square through the political process. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think I would add to that, Nick, that um, I want people to not be rejoicing today in the failure or the confusion or the chaos uh, that others yeah. are experiencing. So um, uh, let me just encourage people. Um, we don't want the further erosion of trust in our institutions. We actually yeah. want to see our institutions strengthened. And so no one wins um, when the U.S. electorate becomes uncertain about a fair and free election process. And so Completely we want agree. every vote counted. We want every vote to count and we want every vote accounted for. And so that's what we're looking forward to um, here in our conversation. All right, Nick, let's pivot. Let's pivot to a conversation. Um, I, I'm going I'm to basically brief the listeners in on this. A couple of yeah. major banks 
um, uh, let's see, Fifth Fifth Third, which is a Ohio-based bank, um, and then Wells Fargo. Both of these banks have discontinued their financial support of um, of a private school voucher program in the state of Florida um, because they've judged the program to be discriminatory against LGBTQ students because there are a number of schools in the program who um, who bar LGBTQ students from attending. Now, this program is designed to allow these banks to not pay corporate taxes. So these are deductible. These gifts are deducted from their corporate taxes. So it's not like they're making these gifts anyway. They're just they're just basically dedicating where this money is going to be spent. And it's supposed to be funding school vouchers for lower income students. So let's talk about who's really hurt when these banks withdraw their funding. But then let's also talk about the tipping point that, uh, you know, in terms of the uh, in terms of what's going on socially in our culture. Yeah. Uh, one, I think all of your listeners can probably attest they have some connection to the greatest thing that's happening within the Christian movement here in the U.S., which is the private school system. It's happening. Uh, private Christian schools are, are just they're doing stellar jobs right now of being able to educate students that are both Christian and non-Christian alike through helping familiarize them and helping them better understand the Western classics and are really being able to propel students to great uh, to great heights within higher education and then moving forward into the workplace. Christian higher education from a, a primary school educational standpoint is just doing a, a phenomenal job of reaching out to both those inside the house of faith as well as those outside the house of faith. We've got to recognize that one. And then the second piece is what we're continuing to see is more and more consumers are expecting brands and uh, institutions to take social stands in the public square. Hence the reason why you see Fifth Third Bank as well as other banks and institutions are beginning to want to enact their social policy changes through private companies. And so what we're seeing here is that banks trying to respond or anticipate to the response of their, of their customers are taking a social stand by withdrawing funds from these uh, private schools uh, and the vouchers that they provide to lower income as well as various other students. And in turn, it ends up hurting the, the community as a whole. You know, I, this this emerged, this conversation really sort of spiked when we had a conversation about whether or not Chick-fil-A should be allowed to choose where its corporate funding goes. Um, yeah. This this seems to be uh, sort of, you know, the door swinging the other direction. People are excited that these banks have discontinued their funding along very similar lines, or at least not dissimilar lines. I mean, I, I find the thing, well, it's um it's not honest brokering in terms of the way the media is responding, um, let's say to Chick Fil A on the one hand, but these to these banks on the other hand. Yeah, it, 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 it's troubling to say the very least. But it, I, I mean, Carmen, if we want to, if we really want to hone in on the numbers, I think one of the troubling things that's not being mentioned right now. It's just from an uh, LGBT uh, position. I think our culture has already made up its decision. But increasingly what we're finding in the numbers with millennial generation as Generation Z is that even among Christians, they're already having the decision. They're already reaching the decision as well as seeing as the LGBT being congruent with Christian orthodoxy, um, which I think is probably the biggest problematic issue that we have here. Well, you have Christian even evangelicals, specifically millennial Generation Z, that are coming out and are saying that uh, a, a same-sex attraction uh, behavior and lifestyle is congruent with the biblical narrative. Which, in turn, if, if the church isn't differing from the culture, then what do you expect? How do you expect the culture 
to respond when they're seeing this fractitious nature within the church. Yeah, that's and that's more than a generational shift. I mean, that yeah. that's oh, a yeah. that's an undermining of of the message of the gospel, just in terms of a worldview that's based on uh, a creator who created things on purpose and for a purpose, and and created marriage as the primary institution, um, and then the family as the primary institution in terms of parents and children that grow out of that to be the crucible of not only faith but formative in every other way. Uh, I mean, I, the institutional breakdown we're, we're looking at is not just um, at, you know, at sort of these more visible levels. It's at the critical levels of the foundation of our culture. Oh, oh completely agree. I mean, I mean, think about this for a second. You, you've got uh, we were up in arms 40 years ago when we finally broke double digits and the number of children that were born into unwed families. But now today, that number is at 41 percent of children that are born today are born into unwed families. And the family system and structure is the is the foundational piece of our culture. And then coupled alongside that, well, not alongside that, they're very similar in nature. So you've got the schooling, raising and rearing a child, developing that child. And when Christian schools uh, aren't given a fair shake in that process to receive funding as well as seniors as derogatory, this is really problematic moving forward within the American experiment. All right. So uh, to our listeners, I think um, that we should say today, uh, support your local Christian schools, um, support them directly in terms of your charitable giving. Uh, There are plenty of non Christian folks out there who are going to support more secular efforts in the culture. Uh, And so it's going to become increasingly incumbent upon people of faith to be supportive of institutions that are uh, advancing the core values of the faith. And so your your local private schools that are Christian in affiliation um, need your support today. That'll be uh, Nick. How about that as our walk-off? I feel really good about that. I know I've benefited from Christian schools, and I know our communities across the country have have greatly been better and blessed because of the work that they're doing, not only to raise children, but also contribute in their communities. Hey, before we let you go, um, give us your one-minute preview of the President's State of the Union address tonight. Oh, wow. You you know, uh, President Clinton was the last president, obviously, that was impeached, that addressed Congress, and he did not mention the word impeachment. I am going to be shocked uh, within, if President Trump does not mention the word impeachment. But, I mean, he's got a pretty, a pretty strong record of, uh, of accomplishments and achievements his administration has put forward. I think you're going to see a forward-striking tone. I think you're going to see a, a pretty visionary picture. But I, I will be shocked if he doesn't veer off from his teleprompter a bit and put in a, a, a word or two about the impeachment and how that might be hampering his uh, his vision of keeping America great. Yeah, a little hard to imagine, right? I, I'm, I'm with you. So I think we uh, I think we are all going to um, be aware of what's on the printed page, and then we are going to witness how the president chooses to depart from that. It's going to be hard. I mean, faced with people who who have you know who are actively doing what they're doing and sitting right in front of him, I, I it restraint, restraint. We'll pray for restraint, but uh, it may yeah. not come. All right, yeah, hey I've... Nick. Thank you so much, my friend. Um, We look forward to talking with you again soon. That's Nick Pitts, a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. You can find him on Twitter at JNickPitts. So you may have heard recently that the president attended the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. Um, 
Maybe we should note that uh, Greta Thunberg has now been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, That's an aside. So while in Davos, one of the things that the president did commit the United States to participate in is something called the Three Trillion Trees Project. We as a nation are going to contribute to the effort to reforest the world, uh, to replant trees around the globe. That made me uh, think about our friend, Dr. Matthew Sleeth, who wrote the book, Reforesting Faith, and has joined us on occasion to talk about the importance of planting trees and how they are engaged in doing that as a ministry globally. So I thought it'd be fun to have him back on to talk about the Three Trillion Tree Project. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, it's possible that January slipped away without you registering for the Northwestern Christian Writers Conference, and and you're you're beating yourself up because you know that in January there was uh, a 20% off registration through the entire month. Well, I have good news for you. There's still a discounted rate if you register in the month of February. So you're going to get 10% off if you register this month um, for the Northwestern Christian Writers Conference. So don't put off another day what you really know you want to do, which is Join me and Karen Kingsbury, Alicia Britt, Sholey, uh, Susie Larson, lots of other folks for the July 24 and 25th Northwestern Christian Writers Conference. You can find all the information and register online at NorthwesternChristianWritersConference.com. We'll be right back. As a parent, you set rules in your home for a good reason. Most likely, they focus on things like honesty, obedience, and respect for others. But what happens when your teen blows right through all the rules? Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Rules are expectations and guidelines that are placed around our behavior so that the family operates within our personal belief system. But all the rules you put in place don't make a difference if there aren't consequences to back them up. It's the consequences that will teach your children to learn right from wrong and move them from selfish to unselfish behavior. So don't keel when the pressure's on. Follow through as needed with the consequences. Looking for more parenting wisdom? Go online to parentingtodaysteens.org or search for Parenting Today's Teens in your favorite app store. Joining me now, Dr. Matthew Sleeth. Uh, he used to be an ER doctor, um, and and then God stirred up this passion within him uh, to invest his time, talent, and energy in the restoration of the goodness and glory of God's creation uh, in order that um, we all might actually have lives that flourish, particularly people who live in abject poverty around the world because of issues like deforestation. And so we've talked before about his book, uh, Reforesting Faith. I commend those conversations to you. What Trees Teach Us About the Nature of God and His Love for Us. Excellent romp through the scriptures in terms of all the trees that are discussed therein uh, and their imagery and impact. So Dr. Matthew Sleeth, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Carmen, it's great to be back with you. So um, and I, I just have to tell you why I'm. Can I tell you why I'm so happy? My sure, children please. came back from uh, 
uh, Africa. My son is the only pediatrician for two million kids there. He's been there for three years, and they're home on furlough, and I got to meet my grandson for the first time and be oh. reunited with my granddaughter. So sorry to blurt that out, but I'm in a great mood. <laughs> that is – where in Africa does he serve? He's at Tinwick Hospital in Kenya. In Kenya. We, uh, we, we've, we've been uh, had an eye on Kenya here lately. Um, and just uh, had a conversation yesterday with our friends at Mission Network News about things happening in Kenya. Um, and so certainly appreciative of your son's uh, service and and sacrifices that he's making there. Um, I just, you know, sometimes we raise our kids, right, with this with this gospel mentality and this global desire to serve, and then they go. And then they take it seriously. <laughs> and then they go, and you're like, whoa, yeah. wait a second. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you for what that means for your entire family. Thrilled that you have this time with them. And so uh, so thank you for for breaking away for a moment and sharing with us today. Um, tell me what your reaction was when you heard that the President of the United States committed uh, our country to, quote, conserving the majesty of God's creation and the natural beauty of the world and announced the United States joining the one trillion tree initiative. I, I apparently expanded that to the three trillion tree initiative. So uh, the trillion tree initiative. Tell us uh, how you how you reacted and respond to that. Well, I'm 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 very pleased. It wasn't uh, just our president. It was all the uh, uh, lead, world leaders were that were at that economic uh, uh, summit. And uh, so it's it's nice when uh, everybody on the planet uh, figures out something that they can be on the same page with. Um, the, uh, uh, the there's also and I don't do uh, politics per se, but there's also legislation introduced uh, um, by the GOP uh, in uh, in Congress uh, yesterday, the day before, um, you know, to put um, to put form and uh, finances behind that. Um, so I'm I'm excited. Um, it's one of the things that's that's needed. And it's like asking somebody, what do you feel about putting money in the bank? Well, I'm, I'm all for that, and I think it'll help the next generation. So people can check out the Trillion Tree Campaign at TrillionTreeCampaign.org. Um, this is not an effort uh, that, that's just going to be hatched from whole cloth, because there are lots of people already engaged in the reforesting effort around the globe. Tell us a little bit. Um, about projects you are aware of and places where the commitment to to reforest um, those places that have been deforested, where those things are already taking place? Well, there, um, uh, of course, where uh, my son's coming from in Africa, there have been uh, the Green Belt movement uh, uh, to re- reforest a lot of Africa. And uh, folks who live there on uh, a yearly basis have understood that deforestation has uh, contributed to poverty and soil loss and hunger and that sort of thing. And um, uh, the, the reforesting efforts that are going on are, are already reaping benefits um, in, uh, th- throughout Africa. I think one of the most exciting projects that, that people can find out about, National Geographic has an article online you can find out about, it uh, is the reforesting efforts in Ethiopia in which they're getting all the, the seed stock um, from churches. Uh, the, the churches in Ethiopia are sometimes hundreds, uh, thousand years old, and around the churches uh, they've protected the trees, um, even though they've deforested the other areas, and that's, that's one of the places that they're uh, getting seed stock from. 
And there's three organizations that I uh, kind of tip my hat to. World Vision, Plant with Purpose, and Eden Reforestation are three of the Christian uh, agencies involved in reforesting, particularly in, uh, in some of the poorer areas of the world. We, we don't realize that, but trees aren't just a luxury. Uh, they are a way of life, and uh, they allow people to stay on their land, and uh, they keep people from having to migrate um, uh, because of poverty. So um, there's, there's many ways that your listeners can get involved in that by, by uh, planting themselves or by, by donating to those organizations. So World Vision, Eden Reforestation, which is probably uh, a hat tip to the Garden of Eden, and then plantwithpurpose.org. Um, one of the things that I learned at the Plant With Purpose website um, is is something you've already alluded to, and I would love for you to unpack further, and that is this connection between poverty and deforestation. And so for really people who believe in human flourishing and want to uh, want to help people who live in places that have been deforested over time. We want to help those people flourish, helping them reforest uh, the places where they live with trees that are indigenous to that place is really an essential part of the pro-life conversation. It, it absolutely sh- uh, is. And uh, through our Christian faith, we are at life for life at every level. Um, and the flourishing of, of people, and the planting of the gospel. That's the, that's the bonus of those Christian organizations being involved with it, is they, they bring the gospel with them as well. Um, but, um, you know, when you're in poverty and you just have to uh, cook your food, um, and, and you're thinking about just today, well, you might cut down on the tree that's actually what's going to give you food in, in the next generation. And um, uh, through through education and and funds and volunteers, you can break that cycle of poverty um, and allow people to stay where they are um, and raise their families. Yeah, it's really um, it's it's a global vision. It's a gospel mission. Um, it's a it's a mission for good. Dr. Matthew Sleeth and I are going to continue this conversation in just a moment. We're talking about reforesting. Those places that have been deforested, we're talking about the Trillion Tree Campaign, and we're talking about reforesting faith. We will continue our conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Dr. Matthew Sleeth, you can find him at MatthewSleethMD.com. Um, uh, Matthew, let's let's pick up the conversation here. Let's um, let's talk a little bit about the book. Uh, and the book is Reforesting Faith. You and I have talked about it here on the program before. But let's remind people: um, in what ways has God used creation and maybe trees in particular to teach us about Himself, to teach us about the nature of God and His love? Well, first of all, I would just uh, point out. How, how broadly spread the uh, tree metaphor is in the Bible. There's a tree on the first page of the Bible. There's a tree on the first psalm, which tells us to be like a tree. There's a tree on the first page of the New Testament in Jesus's family tree. And there's a tree on the last page of the Bible, uh, the picture of heaven. And we're, we're told um, uh, how to pray uh, to make things on earth as they are in heaven, in the centerpiece of heaven is the tree of life. Um, the only thing Jesus ever harms is a tree, and the only thing that can kill him is a tree. So trees are absolutely essential 
to the Bible. It's something that we as a um, a modern kind of uh, believers have uh, gotten away from uh, understanding that God reveals himself through creation and tasks us with caring for creation. We're, we're to take dominion over it, and we're supposed to uh, uh, leave it better uh, each generation. And um, uh, the, the ultimate compliment that God or the Bible can give someone is to call them an oak of righteousness, call them a tree. Uh, Joseph is, is called a tree, a fruitful for bough. Um, and so the first thing I would have uh, Christians uh, understand is that it is biblical uh, for God to um, use trees. Um, uh, we, you could think of the number of people that he uh, did business with and revealed himself to um, by trees. And and uh, you can think of Abraham as the first person in the Bible to plant trees. Um, and, and so this is uh, the business of Christians is the first thing I want to reassure people. It's not uh, some uh, um, far out there uh, thing. It's it's biblical. I have a I have a friend. His name is John. His mom's name is Camille. And when her when her kids were born, um, she would select one passage of scripture, and that is the verse or verses of scripture that she would pray over that child every day. And and John's verse, or the verse that Camille prayed over John, um, was from uh, Psalm 1, verse 3, that he would be like a tree planted by streams of water, yielding fruit in season, whose leaf would not wither, and who, um, and who prospers in all he does. And I think that when we, when we think about the places where the scriptures bear witness to this metaphor, to this image, to this to this reality, we think about uh, you know we think about the vine and the branches. We th- we certainly um, think about the ways that you have discussed trees already. And um, I just even when you use the term family tree, right? I mean, I I want to be found in Jesus's family tree, even if I am grafted in as a wild you know <laughs> as a wild a, olive. Yes, as, as a as part Paul. of the wild yeah. olive. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Um, we are we yes we are grafted into that um, the the trunk of Judaism, which is is where our faith comes from, and of course where Christ came from, um, and uh, and so it's a beautiful metaphor, and I don't think there's a a, a more uh, lovely thing that you could pray for somebody than that they uh, turn out to be like the first Psalm, and I was I was telling about my kids coming back uh, before she was three years old, my granddaughter could recite the first Psalm. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, she's going to grow up and, and the Bible says that her faith should resemble a tree. We never see a tree grow, you know, moment to moment, but when we go back and see a tree that we planted when we were a child, that should resemble our faith and it should provide for other people. And so the tree is the, the reminder uh, not only of what to do in this life, but trees are the longest lived things on this planet. And that's a reminder to think also in an eternal um, sense, that this is the beginning of our relationship with the Lord. Yeah, there's trees in creation. They predate us. Uh, certainly the trees can live without us. We cannot live without them. Um, and trees persist in in the kingdom of heaven, uh, in the new creation. We see evidence of that in Revelation. And so when we talk about reforesting um, the world, when we talk about the replanting of trees in places where uh, the land has been stripped of that particular resource, um, talk a little bit about that. There, there is a conversation here about kinds. 
And so there are kinds of trees that should be replanted in certain places and kinds that would not thrive there and would be would be foreign to that place. Can you talk? I mean, I, I realize that's a little bit of a technical part of the conversation, but um, I find but that fascinating. Yeah, it's an important part. Um, in other words, God has sort of figured out what tree belongs where. And um, it's uh, it, uh, uh, planting a, a eucalyptus tree, for instance, in the United States um, makes no sense. Um, it uh, There's nothing that can eat it. Uh, we don't have koala bears here. Um, uh, planting a, a paper birch uh, where I am in Kentucky, um, paper birches look beautiful where um, – you live, uh, not here. And so we want to plant trees that are, uh, that are native because they support the most life. Um, there's been studies done on the ginkgo trees around where I live, and ginkgos are beautiful. They come from China, um, but they support virtually no life. Birds don't live in them. Insects don't crawl on them. Um, uh, and so we, we want a tree to reflect what God put there initially and uh, to support as much life as possible. And so uh, it's uh, every state has a forestry uh, department um, that you can ask what are the local trees and go on the uh, their websites and they'll, they'll tell you what uh, is best and what's best uh, for city streets and that sort of thing. You don't have to figure this out yourself. Um, every state in the United States has a forestry department that will help you with this. So comment, if you will, um, you brought up the koala bear. Um, we have seen massive fires in the Amazon last year. The fire season is uh, just starting there again. We uh, we certainly have seen in Australia um, a really devastating fire season in the midst of a years-long drought. Talk with us um, a little bit about how these, I mean, natural disasters, is, even though some of them are caused by human beings, um, is the only way that I can sort of frame that. And so a trillion trees sounds like a lot, but may not be enough because we're, we're, the forest is also burning in some places. And so um, talk, right. with, talk about the urgency of this. The, well, to get it into perspective, um, the world has about three uh, plus trillion trees, um, but should have about four. And that's where that number comes from to plant another tree, uh, trillion trees. <clears throat> and who, who can get their head around a trillion, you know, but um, I think that there, there's an urgency there and there's an urgency to um, uh, to save uh, old forests that are up Um and uh, in, in particularly vulnerable areas of the world, like like the Amazon, that sort of thing. Um, and one of the things that we can do um, to help with that is simply recycle, because so many things that we use are made out of trees, um, uh, particularly paper and that sort of thing. It's much better to recycle it than to um, to cut down new trees. Um, and and so um, uh, also a you know reminder to to folks to recycle when you can and and not use things. Uh, our, our family. Uh, loves to give gifts to people and we love to get gifts. Um, but the, the, the wrapping paper, you know, doesn't have to be new each time, those type of things. So just a little thought, um, will cut down our use of, of, uh, forest products and take a little bit of, uh, um, the burden off of continually, um, uh, harvesting trees. So, um, uh, conservation is also an important part of this. All right. Conserve. Recycle. I feel like there's a third one. 
reuse, reduce, and uh, re- uh, recycle and plant. <laughs> there you go. And, and reuse, and, reduce, and remember, recycle, and plant. There you go. And plant and and plant with young folks and say those prayers over them and teach them scripture because that's the the Bible refers to itself as a tree of life. That's the other tree. Uh, to plant, so not not just the physical trees, but the the tree that is the tree of life, which is Scripture. Thank you, Dr. Matthew Sleeth, for all you're doing and for the ways that you are uh, pouring into our lives as well. Th- thank you for the seeds of faith planted in the next generation. Have a great time with your grandkids. Thank you so much, and God bless you and your listeners. Thank thank you, thank you. We'll be right back. Okay, so let me just say those are reduce, reuse, recycle. And then I think in order to renew and revive, we should add reforest. Plant it didn't fit in the alliteration. So uh, let's, let's reduce, reuse, recycle, and reforest or replant. Maybe we just add a replant. Anyway, I think it needs to be a reword in order to, you know, for those of us that couldn't even hardly remember the first three. Uh, um, so in whom are you planting seeds of faith today? How are you being a sower of peace in the world? Uh, these are really great opportunities, not just for conversations with others, but actively pursuing the things of the faith in very, very tangible ways. And so uh, let's each find one way today that we can love the creation that God has graced us uh, to live within. Uh, and let's do something that's just frankly good for creation today in order that we might demonstrate that we are really joyful stewards of God's, God's good gifts. Uh, We'll be right back with another hour of Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.